a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michael Wong. Coming up on the program. China-EU summit. Chinese President Xi Jinping called on China and the EU to boost political trust, dialogue and cooperation when meeting with EU leaders. The value of China's total foreign trade expands by 1.2% year-on-year in November. And China at COP28. Chinese companies draw attention at the UN's climate change conference, showcasing their latest technologies to power the world's green transition. Well, first up, Chinese President Xi Jinping has met with the President of the European Council, Charles Michel, and EU Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen here in Beijing today. The two European leaders are in the Chinese capital to attend the 24th China-EU summit. President Xi spoke highly of the rich results of China-EU dialogue, expressing his hope for the continued momentum of positive relations. He points out that China-EU relations are crucial for world peace and prosperity and advocates for joint efforts towards global stability, development and governance. President Xi stresses that China and the EU are at a new starting point for relations, with their comprehensive strategic partnership reaching the 20-year benchmark. He also urges both sides to cement the bond of interests, build strategic consensus and strengthen dialogue and mutually beneficial cooperation. Well, according to the recently published Blue Book report on European economic development, there is a significant level of interdependence in economic and trade relations between China and Europe. Bilateral trade between the two reached nearly 922 billion U.S. dollars last year, marking a year-on-year increase of over 23 percent. Now, China was the largest partner for EU imports of goods, with over 20 percent of the market share. The United States and the United Kingdom rank as second and third largest partners for EU goods imports, respectively. China is also the EU's third largest goods export market. That report highlights a notable shift in trade dynamics. In comparison to 2000, the EU's trading goods with the United States has experienced a significant decline, while China's share of EU trading goods has more than doubled. Now, ahead of the China-EU summit, companies and investors expect relaxation of regulations imposed during the COVID pandemic to improve international trade. International business lawyer Peter Liu told CGTN that global investors hope this summit can reduce overregulation for businesses, leading to improved ties and more business opportunities. We also noticed that many Chinese enterprises explored overseas markets, given the background with the rise of geopolitical tensions and trade war, what kind of risks do you think they should prepare to face? Yes, if you look at the theme of development for the past few years, especially during the COVID period, the the theme in the whole world is uh, over-regulation. So we see new regulation laws every day on national security, on data protection, on IP issues, on employment issues, on discriminations. So Chinese company, when they decide to go abroad, they need to understand the environment in which they are operates. Therefore, they need firstly to scan all the regulatory requirement in foreign countries, make sure that they are able to cope 
and comply with the local regulations. Otherwise, the regulation will come back to bite them. What's the opportunities do you think we have in China-EU relations? Um, I think definitely there are a lot of opportunities um, because, again, a lot of European countries and their companies are very keen to do business uh, with China, uh, with Chinese consumers, because um, China is such a huge market. And indeed, it's probably the second biggest market for a lot of multinationals. So there are a lot of opportunities for collaboration, cooperation, and investment. But also, um, over the past few years, as I mentioned, there are over-regulations. People are overprotective of their own national uh, assets and the industry. Um, at some point, they will realize uh, overprotecting is not always the best or most efficient allocation of resources, the most efficient way of running business. So I will expect um, at some point, you know, those legislation uh, will be uh, managed or relaxed to some extent, but has to be in the backdrop of a good relationship between China and um, EU and China and the US, particularly um, a stable relationship between China and the US because many countries in European Union, um, they don't want to be caught in the middle between the US and China because both are a huge market for them. Meanwhile, officials gathered over in Geneva recently to promote the 7th China International Import Expo, or the CIIE, which is scheduled to take place in November of 2024 in Shanghai. The annual Import Expo serves as a mega platform for global trade. Our Julia Lubova has more from Geneva. The 7th China International Import Expo, also known as the CIIE, will take place in November 2024 in Shanghai. It's an event organized by the Chinese government. Officials gathered recently in Geneva to promote the annual fair that features exhibitions from many countries and businesses. The goal is to attract new markets and to reaffirm existing business ties. Partners include the World Trade Organization. China is now extraordinarily important for world trade. It's the number one exporter in the world. And China is also very important to the WTO. It's a, it's a consistently strong supporter of multilaterals in trade, of rules-based trade. So events like this kind of focus the mind on how important China is. And it's an entry point for the world into this vast market that's China. So for the WTO, it's very important. And we think it's very positive. It's obviously been a huge success over the last six years. The meeting kicked off with the presentation of CIIE 2023. It showcased the event and explained the benefits of participating. The big selling point is business matchmaking with China. I know for a fact that many companies are attracted, want to go, but they need some kind of help. And certainly, of course, through Swiss centers, but certainly the eye-opener that uh, the CIIE offers is an excellent stepping stone towards a presence. Participants use the opportunity to speak and ask questions. The meeting in Geneva is the first in a series of promotional events around the world. The International China Import Expo has been held for six consecutive sessions, with the latest one being in November this year. Works are very much underway to promote the seventh session, which will be held in November 2024 in Shanghai. The organizers are hopeful that the next section will be even bigger and will attract a diverse portfolio of international participants. Julia Lubova, CGTN, 
Geneva, Switzerland. Well, China's foreign trade remained steady in November. According to data from China's General Administration of Customs, the country's total goods imports and exports expanded by 1.2% in November compared to the previous year, reaching a total of 3.7 trillion yuan. Now, in yuan terms, exports saw a growth of 1.7%, while imports edged higher by 0.6%. China's foreign trade for the first 11 months of the year remained unchanged when compared to the same period last year. In November, China's top trading partners were ASEAN, the EU, and the U.S. Here's what China Customs had to say about the country's foreign trade performance. Take a listen. We continue to observe favorable developments in China's foreign trade, with growth sustained for two consecutive months, according to our survey. A growing number of enterprises have reported a notable increase in both export and import orders. They strengthen the groundwork for attaining the annual objective of stabilizing and enhancing the quality of China's foreign trade. And the latest data from the State Administration of Foreign Exchange shows that China's foreign exchange reserves stood at over 3.17 trillion U.S. dollars by the end of November. That's up from the 3.1 trillion dollars from the end of October. Meanwhile, overseas investors are increasingly channeling more funds into the Chinese bond market, which is the world's second largest. Data from China's central bank show that overseas investors snapped up Chinese yuan bonds worth more than 200 billion yuan in the month of October, boosting their total net purchase starting this January to nearly 1 trillion yuan, or about 140 billion U.S. dollars. October marks the ninth straight month of net purchases of yuan-denominated bonds by foreign investors. Currently, there are more than 1,100 foreign financial institutions that have entered the Chinese interbank bond market, which is the main bond trading venue of the country. All right, for more on China's bond market and foreign trade, I want to bring in Li Yong, chief researcher at globalization-focused DNC Think Tank. Mr. Li, thank you for joining us. So first of all, we were just reporting that global investors, they've been net buyers of Chinese yuan-denominated bonds now for nine straight months. What signals does this send to you, and how do you square this with Moody's recent move to downgrade China's credit outlook? Well, I think the continued purchase of the Chinese bond uh, uh, reflect uh, the confidence being demonstrated by the global investors in the uh, prospect of China's economic growth, the quality of the growth as well, and uh, the uh, continuous opening up of the financial actor, uh, sector, and as well as the comfort of holding RMB assets. I think uh, the uh, I would like to quote another set of uh, data, which is the total number of foreign investors in the first three quarters, which registered a, uh, a increase of 32.74% uh, to a total of uh, 37,840. And uh, these two sets of data actually themselves uh, can serve as rebuttals to the uh, moody downgrade of, of the uh, credit of, of China. And uh, I think the uh, global investors, as well as investors in uh, industries, uh, they voted their, uh, the, uh, uh, with their cash, with their money, for the uh, Chinese uh, growth, uh, rather than the spreadsheet with misjudgment uh, by Moody. 
So I would say facts speaks louder than words. Back to you. All right, Mr. Lee, uh, I want to talk about trade now because we are seeing China becoming a major exporter of products needed for the world's green transition. So we're talking here about solar panels, EVs, and lithium batteries. Uh, do you expect China broadening its scope in high-tech exports beyond these three critical areas? Yes, definitely. Um, uh, let me quote uh, a recent report uh, released by or uh, reported by a German uh, uh, weekly, which is called Focus. Uh, it says in the last decade, decades, China's share in the high-tech uh, trade, you know, uh, grow from 0.6% to over 23%. You know, that is a demonstration of the continued trend of China's exports of high-tech products, including uh, green technologies. I think in the future, this trend will continue because uh, Chinese exporters realize the uh, uh, the fact that uh, because of the uh, uh, the increase of labor cost, you know they need to move uh, up the value chain and export. So uh, I so I think apart from the green uh, uh, technologies, uh, there will be increase in um, areas such as uh, uh, telecommunication, uh, the uh, uh, electronic uh, components, uh, semiconductors, et cetera, et cetera. I think those uh, will be uh, the uh, future drivers of China's uh, high-tech exports. Mm. Many thanks for your insights. As always, Li Yong, Chief Researcher at DNC Think Tank. Thank you. Well, in the first three quarters of this year, China's power and energy storage battery production exceeded some 572 gigawatt hours, a year-on-year -year increase of nearly 37 percent. Lithium batteries, of course, are used to power most electric vehicles, and our Zhang Shiren reports on how one Beijing-based company has developed battery technology that significantly increases the range traveled by EVs. Lithium batteries are the most commonly used type of batteries for electric vehicles. How to make them safer, yet at the same time more efficient? Chinese scientists and entrepreneurs have discovered a new solution. Here at the laboratory of Beijing-based company WeLine, we meet Dr. Yang Qi. Solid-state batteries replace liquid electrolytes with solid electrolytes. When partially replaced, it's called the semi-solid-state battery. Traditional liquid batteries have safety and energy density limitations. Currently, we've mass-produced semi-solid-state batteries, which improve both safety and energy density, which means longer range and a lower risk of fire for electric vehicles. These power batteries were introduced in September 2022. In August this year, they were delivered to Chinese EV manufacturer Neil for installation in new vehicles. Dr. Yang says her team's achievements set a global standard. Solid-state batteries were developed and researched at the Institute of Physics at the Chinese Academy of Sciences over the past 40 years. Now with more than 400 scientists in our R&D team, we have more than 500 patents, including over 30 overseas patents. Weilin's Xiang Jin says the introduction of new battery technology opens up unexplored markets for his company. Battery and 动力电池市场分别都是万亿级的市场。
The energy storage and EV battery are both trillion-dollar markets. We will begin mass production of our semi-solid-state power products for EVs early next year and semi-solid-state energy storage products this year. Electric vehicles equipped with the batteries can travel over 1,000 kilometers in range on a single charge. Xiang says it's hoped his company's development of new power batteries will help drive China's high-level development. Semi-solid-state batteries are the next generation in battery tech. They can significantly reduce costs and ensure the safe operation of large-scale grid storage, which can accelerate the transition from gasoline to electric vehicles, promote clean energy adoption, and eventually contribute to China's carbon neutrality goals. According to China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, in the first half of 2023, China's lithium battery production exceeded 400 gigawatt hours, representing a 43% growth. Next step, the industry is seeking to expand its global market. Zhang Siran, CGTN, Beijing. And China is indeed ramping up the use of low-carbon energy. In 2021, China set a target for renewable energy to exceed fossil fuel capacity by 2025. Now, that target was already reached in June of this year, as renewable energy sources now constitute just under 51% of the country's total installed capacity, compared to just 27.9% at the end of 2019. China also saw robust growth in the installed capacity of renewable energy, which rose 18.2% in the first half of this year compared with the same period last year. Moreover, in the first half of 2023, China exported 534,000 electric vehicles. That's up 160% compared to the same period last year. Elsewhere, the world's first fourth-generation nuclear power plant, China's Shidaowan nuclear power plant, officially went into operation this week in Rongcheng in Shandong province. As much as 93.4% of the materials used in that nuclear plant are domestically sourced. Also, earlier this year, Tianjin Port and Huawei agreed to work together on building a digital twin of the world's first driverless, zero-carbon port terminal. All right, for more on China's industrial competitiveness, let's bring in Wu Jing, associate professor in the Department of Decision Sciences and Managerial Economics at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Professor Wu, uh, thank you for joining us. So we were just reporting on how a new energy company based right here is, uh, in Beijing is claiming that they have set a new global standard when it comes to lithium batteries used in EVs. We were also reporting earlier that EVs, solar panels, lithium batteries, these are three new export growth engines for China. How was China able to become so competitive in these three areas? Well, uh, I think uh, it is without any doubt that China has been uh, pretty successful in the area you just mentioned. So uh, several reasons I can think of. The first one is, uh, you know, we have a successful government or industrial policy in this, uh, in this area. Uh, and the second, I think China, we are equipped with, uh, we're a big manufacturing country, so we have uh, a lot of expertise and experiences, uh, you know, to manu uh, manufacture such products, uh, you know, in a very economic fashion and in large scale. Uh, and we also invest uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, money in terms of, uh, you know, research and uh, development in, in this in this area. So uh, indeed, some of the latest technology actually uh, come from China. 
Right, so policy, scale, and capital, three key factors when it comes to uh, China leading in the EV and green supply chains. Uh, what's your take on the capacity of China's R&D ecosystem overall, Professor uh, Wu, in terms of innovation, in terms of leading the industries of the future, uh, such as new energy? What are the ecosystem strengths, you think? Which areas do you think it also needs to improve on? Yeah, uh, so in the past, you know, decade, I think China's, uh, we are no longer just, uh, you know, manufacturing of scale. We are moving from uh, pure manufacturing to uh, for, for to more and more high-tech and uh, in innovation. So uh, China as a, as a whole, our ecosystem does demonstrate uh, some of the creativity and uh, especially in leading the new energy uh, use as, as a future, as a future industry. Uh, nevertheless, I think we will, we'll, uh, despite our uh, our strengths uh, in terms of uh, you know the government policy support, our manufacturing uh, talent pool, uh, I think we still need some improvement. Uh, for example, uh, you know just in terms of the new technology or energy transfer, how to decrease the the the, the carbon. And in certain area, uh, because manufacturing has many many area, uh, so we still have uh, you know some 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 rooms to uh, to to catch up, and also how to create a, a global uh, standard. Uh, I think you know this is uh, requires some of the uh, global cooperation uh, and integration of uh, of this uh, innovation system as well. Right. And of course, Professor Wu, digitization, uh, this is crucial. It's a must for industries around the world. How do you view the pace and the effectiveness of China's digitization drive in its industrial sector relative to other major economies? Yeah, so uh, I think this is uh, something I think China, we, we, we are proud of uh, because uh, uh, there, there's some uh, data, uh, you know, statistics that talk about the digital economy around the world. 80% uh, of this digital economy is dominated by two countries. 80% global market share, China and the United States. So in this area, this is uh, where, where China, we have a strength uh, in, for example, in uh, artificial intelligence, uh, in cloud computing, in, uh, uh, in, 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 in robots, uh, in robot as well. So, and also uh, both the government as well as the, uh, the private sector in China has invested a huge amount uh, in terms of our digital uh, infrastructure. So I think this is something we are, uh, uh, you know, uh, very proud of. Uh, but again, uh, we are facing uh, competition. We are facing pressure, uh, you know, from the other competitor. Uh, I mean, the biggest one will be the United States. So how do we, uh, you know, uh, keep uh, keep our technology advantage? How to create a more, uh, uh, you know, inclusive and more open digital environment? So so our company, our product can have access to the, you know, global market. Uh, you know, I think this is sustainability and inclusiveness. This is something uh, crucial for our uh, industry growth in this area. Professor Wu, many thanks for your thoughts on all of that. Wu Jing, Associate Professor in the Department of Decision Sciences and Managerial Economics at CUHK Business School. Thank you, Professor Wu. Well, some of the biggest Chinese companies are attracting the attention of many visitors at COP28 in Dubai. A tech giant Huawei and China State Construction Engineering Corporation are showcasing advanced technologies that would both save energy and save time. Our Adele El Marui has more. With the attractiveness of its iconic panda bear, China caught the attention of COP28 visitors. Inside the pavilion, it is introducing landmark technologies that can provide quick solutions to face climate challenges. 
The China Pavilion in the COP28 Green Zone highlights the sustainability milestones Chinese projects achieved in the Gulf Cooperation Council region. An upward spiral takes visitors in a time capsule to walk them through this journey. At the top, Chinese construction giant CSCEC introduces its latest solutions to make high-rise buildings eco-friendly. This uh, model uh, it is in cooperation with uh, our architect in uh, USA. Uh, this uh, laboratory is called the Supernatural Lab. We cooperate with them and we provide bioplanning uh, community. This is a supercell sample. Uh, actually, uh, the aiming of this is uh, how to increase the uh, green built-up area, how to change the uh, conventional uh, design of the buildings uh, to be uh, respecting the natures, how to achieve the sun direction uh, to the building so for each apartment can receive uh, the sun as well. The CSCAC new prototype includes a new design to the walls called Passive House, which according to the company limits using air conditioning devices to only a couple of hours every day in hot countries like the UAE. Together with new technologies that will turn the glass facade into transparent solar panels, this model targets a 90% reduction in high-rises power consumption. It could also be built in just one year. Speed was also the theme of Chinese tech giant Huawei, whose booth at the Mobility Pavilion introduced ultra-fast car charging stations. The society is moving from the traditional engine car to the electric vehicle. Um, and in order to accelerate adoption of the electrical vehicle, we need to improve the efficiency of the charging stations. So last year, when, we, when Huawei spent 160 billion Chinese RMB into research and innovation area, that equivalent to more than 25% of a year, yearly revenue. Um, and very interesting because the majority of the R&D investment are exactly serving the purpose of sustainability. For every minute of charging, this new technology gives EVs one kilometers of driving distance. Huawei says it is supporting efforts to reach carbon neutrality by 2050. Its innovation labs aims at introducing solutions that don't increase energy consumption with the expansion of digital technologies. Uh, the professors uh, were, of course, aware of uh, new ideas, but here uh, we see the ideas uh, in life. We see the ideas in prototypes uh, and uh, we really see how our world is uh, changing. Uh, this is renewable energy sources and this is also energy management systems. Uh, so new technologies, right? Artificial intelligence can be combined with this. And But I really like uh, what, uh, what the company inside showed this, this material. This is, I think, our future. Chinese companies here at COP28 have showcased the advancement they've reached in green solutions and how efforts in development and protecting the environment can grow together. Adel Mahroui, CGTN, Dubai. And with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong in Beijing. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time.